everybody and welcome back to another What's Up podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to story number three in the new series we're doing in our town. It's about things people are doing at home while they're locked inside and we've done a cooking show and we've done beekeeping and we're here today with Katie Church who you might know as an actor but we're going to talk about something completely different. Hi Katie, thanks for doing this. Hi, thanks so much for inviting me. So, I know you sing, I know you act. Everything yes. from Peter Pan to Sandy in Greece, we're not going to talk about how long ago that was, to <laughs> Janet in Rocky Horror, to Donna in Mamma Mia, Mia at Pilot mm-hmm. Arts. But that's not all you do. You also paint and create art and teach. Yes. What did you think you were going to do when you grew up? Well, you know, it's funny. When I went to school, I was determined not to be a teacher. It just did not appeal to me. But when I look back at old journals and those all about me books, you know, that you fill out when you're a kid, at some point in my youth, I wanted to be a teacher. And that kind of fizzled out. But I mean, I guess I just always wanted to be something that got to create and be creative um, and work with people. So did Turns you start out out, doing that? Which came first, the the visual art or the music or the theater? Well, you know, I would say the visual art was probably more prominent in my life as a kid because both of my parents are artistic. My dad was an architect. He went to art school. My mom is an artist. Um, she had her own line of hand-painted dinnerware that she would sell online and still does uh, pieces here and there which was so, beautiful by the way yes they are beautiful and uh, that's called el poma uh, so i've always just had art around me as a kid and my brother and i both took art in high school and he's pretty artsy as well you know he doesn't have as much time as i do to to do the things but you know there's art hanging all over my parents house from both uh, my parents and both my brother and, and me so Art's always been around, but that theater part of me that I didn't know is the theater part has always been in me too, making uh, plays and writing stories and pretending my own little scenarios in my head and doing dances with my cousins and skits. That was always a big part of my childhood as well. What was the first show you did in Northwest Arkansas? What's the first one we should remember? It Well, the first one I don't think anyone would remember necessarily <laughs> Because, um, funny story, I was in high school, 17, and I heard about this community theater, and I was interested, but still incredibly shy as far as that kind of thing goes. Um, I tried out for Oliver. This was back in 1995, I believe. And this was back when Rogers Little Theater was, was more of a community theater in the sense that you know, you showed up to auditions and you got put in the ensemble and then kind of the cream of the crop were picked out to do principal roles. Well, I wasn't on the list and I was like, well, you know, it's just not my time. It was my first audition and I was really nervous and whatnot. Well, a friend of mine had been cast in the ensemble and the director had asked her one night, this was, um, it was not um, Ed McClure, it was a different director, asked, you know, where's your friend? How come she's not coming to rehearsals? My name had inadvertently been left off of the ensemble list. 
So this is only a few days into it. My friend contacts me and I'm like, oh, okay, well, cool. I'll start showing up. So I did. And I was in the ensemble for that production. And then we did Oklahoma the next summer. And I was still pretty much the ensemble, but I had a name to me. I was Gertie Cummins in that production. So I had a couple of lines that time, which um, actually, you know what? I'm sorry. Fiddler on the Roof was before that. And that was ensemble. And so it kind of built from there. But the first role where I actually was any kind of leading player was Grease when I played Sandy. Was that really the first one? Yes. Wow. Because that's when we met. And you were, it, it, I, yes. th- I thought you were 10 or 12 at the time. Oh, I was like 21. (laughs) Come on, this is, come on, get with it. I was 10 or 12. You're right. I was 20 and here we go. You were amazing. I didn't realize that was your first big role. It was. And I was so nervous. I definitely hadn't found my sea legs yet as a stage performer. I was not used to singing in front of people. I remember that was before the theater had really kind of figured out their sound system and the microphones were problematic. We were performing at the high school Mm -hmm. at the time, the, the old Rogers high school, which is now the current um, heritage high school. And um, we had microphone issues and we were warned, I think it was opening night, you know, our, our microphones are spotty. They might go out. If they go out on you, then we'll signal you from off stage and you can make your way over and grab a handheld mic. And I remember thinking to myself, Oh my God, I hope that doesn't happen to me. That won't happen to me. Right. Surely they, they put one of the good mics <laughs> on me. Right. Right. And sure enough, during summer nights, which was the first song that I was a part of, I look over and Autumn Mitchell uh, was signaling to me wildly from off stage because I get no she was on stage I'm sorry I'm getting this all messed up it's been a long time somebody was signaling to me wildly to come get a handheld and I was frozen we had an audience out in front of us and I remember <laughs> looking at them. I remember looking at them as you know as secretively as I could and like shaking my head no and I'm thinking I'm just gonna sing out and I didn't know how to sing out back then <laughs> so Autumn Mitchell this is where she comes in she was the performing pro she, I don't know what she had been doing but she knew what was up on stage she just waltzed over to the curtain she grabbed that mic and she walked back over to me and she thrust that thing in front of my face and I think (laughs) I was holding on to that microphone for dear life with both hands (laughs) and singing it because I had never really sang into a mic like that before I didn't know how to hold it I was nervous I forgot how to move at that point and it just I froze but eventually, you know, I loosened up a bit and we got the mic problem sorted out. But that's my strongest memory from Greece well, is what, that. What you might not remember is that I was working crew and I was stopping every day between Springdale and Rogers, between my office in Springdale and coming to the high school, buying box after box after box of condoms. <laughs> Because we were putting the mics in condoms, trying to keep them from shorting out from the sweat. From sweat, yes. I remember that. Yeah, that must have gotten you some strange looks for sure. Especially <laughs> the day like that the I dry also, kind. Yeah, and especially the day when I bought a, a can of Fix-A-Flat at the same time. <laughs> They're like, lady. Lady, I don't know you're what your a problem great is. But... <laughs> so we know all of the great stuff that you've done on stage. And, okay, you just get better. 
Oh, thanks. But tell me a little (laughs) bit about meeting someone on stage in the last couple of years. Meeting someone? Yeah. A guy. (laughs) You mean my husband? Yeah, that guy. (laughs) That guy. Yeah, so I met my husband when we did Annie last summer. And I had seen him in a couple of shows before. He had done Producers, um, and he he was Carmen Gia in Producers. He was in... We should say his oh, name's Ben Baldwin. His name is Benjamin Baldwin, yes. He does have a real name. Uh, and he was in um, Living on Love as the, the male author that was writing the story of the diva. Um, and I remember seeing him in those productions and thinking, oh, like he, he was one of my favorite parts of producers. He and Wendell Jones. I'm like, those two are hysterical. I want to see more of that guy on stage. And then he was cast as Rooster and Annie last summer. And uh, being an adult, having no child with me at rehearsal, some nights the old enough people would go across the street to the Moonbrook after rehearsals and just have a drink and, you know, relax a little bit and just visit and, uh, we ended up kind of really liking each other <laughs> after many of those. And, you know, things just kind of escalated from there. And we were both in Rocky Horror together following Annie. Where but he you were played... not Janet this time. No, not this time. No, I was in the ensemble this time. He was Brad, but she was not He was Janet. Brad. Yes, he was Brad. I was in the ensemble, which was fun. I'd done Rocky already twice before as Janet. So it was kind of fun to do the the dancey part of the show and, you know, be a little more wild and out there as an ensemble member. And that was fun getting to spend even more time with them. And, you know, then things just progressed. And uh, during the right at the beginning of quarantine is when he started, you know, living here more frequently. And one day we went on a walk and he proposed. And then three weeks later we got married and here we are. That's awesome. <laughs> We've literally not been apart since because of the quarantine. And you're both still alive. Oh, yes. Yes, very much so. That's a good It's working. Thing. Yeah, it is. So the whole point of these stories that were inspired by a YouTube cooking show that Charlie Reedmuller and Sarah Moritzson started is what people are doing at home that we might not know they do. So talk about the painting that you're doing right now, particularly the Judgy series, which I'm in love with. I do enjoy the Judgy series. I got that idea. I mean, it's probably been a year or so. It's it's not been too long ago. I wish I could go back. Luckily, Facebook documents everything and reminds me of things. So eventually the memory will pop up of the very first one that I did. But it was just an idea I got, and um, my friend Autumn, the same Autumn who rescued me during Greece 100 years ago with the microphone, she said to me one day, not out of a request, just in passing, she goes, you know, I'd like a picture of a llama wearing glasses and drinking tea because they just look so judgy (laughs) with their faces. And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. And this was kind of when, like, mustaches were trending and things with glasses were trending. And I said, well, don't buy one. Here, I'll paint you one. So I whipped one up, and I had a super fun time doing it. And I thought, you know, this could this could be something. I really enjoyed the whole idea of putting glasses on animals and giving them this idea that they're just judging you from afar. And <laughs> you have maybe cats. not even you secretly. You know they're judging you. 
Oh yeah, I've got the cats are all judgy, and uh, so I I painted a cat that it was it's as you can tell it's my first one. It's like the OG of the judgy series, a little calico. I was still trying to find my style though. I I tend to want everything to look realistic, but you get so caught up in that, and if it doesn't look right, then it's just it's one of those you know ruins everything. So I kind of let go of that realism a little bit and made her more of a cartoon. And she's wearing big, round, yellow Sally Jesse Raphael glasses and drinking her coffee and wearing a scarf. And I thought, you know, this is fun, but I wanted to keep going. But I didn't have the idea yet of judgy. I just liked the cat and glasses. And then sitting in a faculty meeting one day, my mind was wandering <laughs> and uh, I mean, not, I always pay attention in faculty meetings. Anyway, my mind was wandering and I got the idea to paint things that have the faces already, you know, they just look at you and are probably thinking wonderfully sweet thoughts, but they look like they're going to kill you in your sleep, you know, <laughs> like a chihuahua. I had this idea for a chihuahua and, I wanted to put the chihuahua in this big feather headdress and make it look like it's something huge when it's really something small and get that judgy look. Um, the chihuahua actually made an appearance in a different series I can tell you about. But the next thing I did, I believe, was um, a snake. I mentioned the idea. I dropped, jotted some ideas down, and I told my daughter, and she goes, ooh, make me a snake. I want a snake. She loves snakes. So I'm like, all right. So I painted her a, an albino boa constrictor, and it's wearing a boa because it's a boa. It made sense to me. And because my daughter requested it, she's drinking a, a latte from Starbucks, <laughs> something, you know, frou-frou like that, like a frappuccino. And um, I got the idea to put sayings with them, and the saying somehow reflects what they are. So the snake is saying, don't have a hissy, sissy. And I, then I was like, oh, I don't like this. So I started making notes of animals that are judgy. And when I would see pictures of animals or, you know, go somewhere and look at an animal's face, I thought, oh, that thing is judging me. I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> so I've got a squirrel and a fox and a chicken and a handful. A deer is my most recent of the judgy ones. And it just kind of took off from there. What are you and working all... in? Do you work in acrylics? Yes. With the painting, it's mostly acrylics on canvas. I will go in sometimes with a Sharpie for some edging or outlining because I cannot do outlining with acrylics very, very neatly. And uh, Sharpies just get the job done there. Well, they look great. And I'm so happy that we get to talk about it in this series that's running in the Arrowtown section of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And we hope you all enjoy that and find out more about what's going on. Thank you so much, Becca. Thank you, Katie. See you soon. See you.